What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of NBA Stories. I'm your host, Nick Nassaby, and the NBA playoffs have started. A day that I never really thought was going to come this year, especially after Rudy, dirty boy Gobert, rubbed a bunch of microphones with his dirty-ass French hands and made it all really gross for all of us for a little bit. But we're back, and we're actually able to watch some basketball back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back every single day. It's amazing. It's amazing. Before I go any further, thank you guys so much for all of the love. We just hit 20 episodes last week. I can't believe it. It's amazing. It's been a really good run, and we got listeners from all over the world at this point, which is so cool to see it. We got people tuning in from Australia. We got people from the Netherlands. Netherlands really like us for some reason. That's awesome. Keep tuning in. I don't I don't know if there's any Dutch up-and-comers coming to the NBA, but uh, you know, send them my name if they need an agent. I'm not an agent, but maybe I will be by the time they get here. If you like what you hear from this episode or from any other episodes, like I always say, go to Apple Pod or whatever platform you're listening on. Leave a five-star review. Tell, tell me what you think. Don't hesitate to hit that subscribe button. Follow me at NBA Stories Pod on Instagram, and I'll show you all the stuff that I'm going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks. I got a lot of good stuff in, in the pipeline. So, so today... One of the things that I was thinking about, watching these playoffs, right? We all know that the stars are going to show up when we get to this phase. That's what, that's what they're there for, right? They show up when we get to that phase because that's their stars, and, and, and they, they get theirs regardless. But despite the fact that the stars are going to perform, there's a reason why certain teams show up and certain teams don't. There's a reason why Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, John Stockton don't have rings, and Kobe has five, and Jordan has six. It's because on their teams, at the same time, they have certain players, certain talents that might not be as heralded as the actual stars themselves, but they are pivotal, absolutely pivotal, to their team actually making the finals and winning the finals. These are, of course, your X factors. That's what we call them your X factor. So what we're going to do today, we're going to walk you through all of these different playoff series going on right now in the NBA. And we're going to talk about what is needed, who is needed for those for this particular team to make it past the series that they're in right now and to eventually make it to the NBA Finals and maybe even win a finals. And for that, I am joined here by Ben Paz, host of Pass the Line Sports, also has a, a website, Pass the Line Sports as well. Ben, thanks so much for being with me. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. You know, always a pleasure. And last time I was on here, we talked about LeBron. So fun shitting on him because I fucking hate that guy. But, you know, I'm excited to spit about these X-Factors and role players, you know. I, I like talking about the guys that, you know, they might not be household names, but they are just as important as the big names to their teams achieving success and winning championships was the overall goal of every team in the league. So we're going to start with uh, one that sounds like you're you're pretty rabid to get to, the 1-8 in the East. So if for anybody who is listening in the future, you probably know this already happened because it's in the future, not the past. But the Bucks played the Magic a couple nights ago, and everybody kind of called it. I don't know if you, I kind of called it. Ben, I know you kind of called it. But the Bucks did not show up. On their first in their first game in game one. Game two is tonight, so we'll see if they can bounce back. But as of right now, it is 1-0 Orlando Magic, which is something that I don't think anybody was going to say. 
crazy. So Ben, first of all, your overall view of Game One when you saw when you watched this game, like what was going through your head? Well, you know, first off, I just want to apologize to uh, Bucks money line betters because you guys just took a fat, fat L. L. Whoever bet, whoever took Magic money line, holy shit! Like you're cash out right now. You're fucking rich. Like nobody saw this coming. You know, obviously, I've been saying this. You know, if you've listened to my podcast or seen it in my Instagram post, you can tell I've never been sold on Milwaukee. Why? Because what they lack. Yes, they have Giannis. He's, I'm not going to say the best player in the league because, yes, he's going to get that second MVP. He looks really, really likely. But, you know, I watch him play late in games around coach time and stuff. In close games, he just doesn't seem to have it, you know. You know, I feel like when he gets stuck on the perimeter, he's not really a good playmaker for other guys and he struggles to create his own shots. If you look at every single championship team in the past couple of years, every team has a guy that they just get the ball to and say, fuck it, go make me a play. You know, even the Cavs team that won it all 2016, Kyrie was that guy. You know, he's a creative guard. And obviously, you guys know LeBron can do that. I feel like Milwaukee's lacking that. So, which leads me into my X factor for this series. Not even just a series. The playoffs going forward because... Let's face it, Orlando won the first one. It's kind of funny. I love rubbing in to people when I'm right. I'm sure you do too, Nick. Love it. Favorite but thing in the world. It, it's the best. And I'm saying it right now, Blazers and Six. We'll get yeah. to that later. Obviously, I feel like it's pretty obvious that the Bucks will likely advance. Because if they don't, I think it'll go down as the biggest upset in NBA history in the playoffs. This player I'm talking about is Eric Bledsoe. He's always been a guy that, you know, early in his career when he was on the Clippers and he was playing with Chris Paul, people were like, all right, this guy's going to be, this guy's going to be an all-star one day. And he goes to Phoenix and, you know, he shows some flashes, but he's never had that consistency. He's never been able to cement himself as one of the best point guards in the league. But I feel like if there's anyone on Milwaukee who can be that guy, if Eric Bledsoe can step up and be that creative playmaker that they're lacking down the stretch to take some pressure off Giannis and really let him to focus on what he does best, which is, I feel like, I mean, I, we talked about this before. I think he's at his best when he's off the ball and he can just catch it and 100%. slash to the rim. Well, even catch and shoot. I mean, the, the stats don't, the stats tell the story with this. Giannis as a, as a standalone, create his own three Shooter is shooting like under 35%. I think the stats said it was 31% from three when he's trying to create his own shot. But off the dribble, he's or off the catch and shoot, he's averaging 38 to 39% from three. Like that's above average. He's a good catch and shoot shooter, but he just he chooses and and Budenholzer allows him to do this because he's Giannis. It's like he he chooses to try to create, and it's just not his forte. You know, he, the fact that he gets 30 points a game. Imagine if he could take shave four points off of that total and allow Eric Bledsoe to control the tempo of the game. And I think the Bucks are a better team. You know, another guy that I think is a pivotal, which you said before the show, was Brooke Lopez. Because, you know, he's a you know, the Bucks they're they're really good at protecting the rim. I feel like that's why their defense was at a historic level statistically this year because 
Giannis is a physical freak, and then you have another seven footer down there. Got it's pretty fucking ones. tough to get shots. Got yeah, brother. Yeah, Robin. You know, forgot him. You know, when you have that much size down low, it's gonna be tough to finish at the rim. But Brooke can also hit the three, which opens up the floor for Giannis to do what he does best. I agree with that 100%. Yeah, and Brooke is my X factor on my side. I think in game one, he really shit the bed. He had five points, played pretty much you know the, the same type of minutes, 30-plus minutes with five points. He was... The power of Vucevic, man. Yeah, I mean, Vuce, Vuce is one of the most... And we said it in the underrated episode. He's one of the most underrated players in the entire league. It's because he's in this market that just nobody cares about. You know, who wants to go to Orlando? I always make the joke to people who I know who are from Orlando. If you have friends from Orlando Pass, show them this. Because it's like they, they came to Florida and they're like, oh, wow, this whole state is completely coastline. Wow, this is amazing. You know what we should do? Let's create a completely landlocked city in the middle of this fucking state and put a fucking theme park in it and then call it a giant city and get Shaq. Like that's the, the whole fucking town, you know? It's not a great market. Who wants to be there? No offense to anybody who lives. I, fuck you. Actually, offense to you. I don't know why you live there. Move. Actually, so come to Tampa. Baby. You don't. You don't have to be there. There's not a wall around the city. Having the magic. That's real. That's what they got. You know, and they love their team. But it's just the market itself is not. It's not viable. So Vooch being there for as long as he has, kudos to him. He's much better than people think he is. But he's in this market, and the fact that he hasn't been recruited out of the market, I think, tells a lot of of how talented he is. But it's an inaccurate assessment in my opinion. You know, and the other side of this spectrum, we have to look at the Magic now. Like we have to genuinely look at them as a threat because they've taken the first game. They took all the momentum. They sucked the momentum out of the Milwaukee Bucks. That's a big deal. Regardless of how many more games they're going to take from them, it's a, it's a big deal that they took the first one. Because now we have to say if they win one more time, this is a 6-game series in the first round with the number one best record in the entire NBA, Milwaukee Bucks. If anybody is going to have to show up on this team, you know, Vooch is there. Vooch is going to do what he does. Vucevic is, is one of those guys who is at the point that you can rely on him consistently for about 20 and 12. You're not always going to get a 34 and 15 boards. It's not always going to happen. But you can rely on him for 20 and 12. Now, who's going to fill in that blank for the rest of those points? For me, I believe that if they want to consistently be a threat in this series and to consistently compete in this series, the one person who's going to have to show up is going to be Markel Fultz. Yes. You know, a, a lot of people hate on Markel Fultz because of the origins of his NBA career. Obviously, he was the number one pick. Got taken in front of the likes of Jason Tatum, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever. The, the Sixers were stupid to take him first anyway. He's not a first, number one pick, but he's a, he's a legitimate point guard who during the season has averaged about 12 and 6. And if he's able to get that clip going and get assists and get guys in the flow, guys like Terrence Ross, guys like, of course, like, like Vooch, and get these guys in their flow and able to do what they do and dictate the momentum like they were able to do in game one, Shit, man, this could be a seven-game series. I know a lot of people are saying, like, okay, they just took one and that's all they're going to take. But I can't I, I can't say that, though, because they did take the one, and it wasn't just one. It was the first one. 
So who's to say that now the Bucks aren't going to come back and play with the same flat level energy that we saw in, in Game One? It's, it's not even just Game One. They've been flat the entire bubble. You know, I watched them play against the Houston Rockets, and and to be honest, it was pathetic the amount of times they turned the ball over, and they're not really looking like a number one seed. They look they just came to the Orlando and say, "Fuck it, let's go play some pickup basketball." Because that, that's the amount of intensity they're playing with. And you know who never gets any fucking key for anything that happens on this team? Mike Budenholzer. Budenholzer he yeah. consistently, he consistently wins Coach of the Year. He, he he got it again this year, which I think is disrespectful to guys like Nick Nurse, who actually had the coach. Because I mean, it's pretty fucking easy to say just give the ball to Giannis and let let him do what he does let him in Giannis. the paint. Yeah, let 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 him dunk from the fucking free throw line and take two steps on fucking drives from the three points. But you know when a team isn't when a team comes out and they're just simply flat, not ready to play. Whose job is it to motivate them? The coach. And I feel like happened last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. Looks like it's happening this year. I don't see why nobody shits on this guy. He's quiet. He's a Popovich guy. That's why, and that's what—that's why he gets so much yeah. benefit of the doubt. He's a Popovich guy. But, I mean, who seems like it worked because he's done it before. But the thing is, like, I don't get it's so different in basketball because, for example, in football, all these guys that come from the Belichick tree, I mean, they get shit on for fucking days if they if they have one bad season, it's like all hell's breaking loose. One bad game, even. I think that the it's because the Patriots are more in the limelight than the Spurs are, even when they're winning. San Antonio, they, they've always kind of gone under the radar. That's why all that stuff with, with Kawhi when he was unhappy in San Antonio was so surprising to everybody because it's like, whoa, this, is, this team doesn't do anything wrong. What do you mean? It's because they never talk about it. They have a great PR team. So I think that's why they're able to get out from under. You know, That's why I, I'll be straight up with you. I think Becky Hammond's going to be a great head coach one day, either for the Spurs or whoever wants to hire her. You know, because she's just another one just under that umbrella. There's a lot of guys who come under that umbrella. Well, obviously, guys and women, too. But, I mean, we'll see. Budenholzer, I don't know if he has a grasp on this team. That's a serious thing. I don't know if he has the greatest grasp on this team. I mean, they, they, they're a very cohesive unit. They seem like they get along with each other. But I don't know if any of them have the killer instinct. Not, I don't think there's a single guy on that team who's won a championship. Except maybe George Hill? George Hill with San Antonio? No, he went... He- Maybe, but you know who Mike Budenholzer reminds me of? He is the Sean Miller of the NBA. Wow. You know, I, I, for any of you guys who don't know who Sean Miller is, I, I'm a big Arizona Wildcats basketball guy. You know, both my parents went there. I mean, me and my dad hate Sean Miller because, you know, he recruits so well. You know, last year we had three first-round picks on our team and somehow still managed to get the eighth seed. When we've gotten the big games and, you know, we just always come out flat. I feel like a coach not only has to be a good ex and O's guy, but has to be a good motivator. Knows how to handle person. That's why Phil Jackson was so good. Because he's so good at getting the most out of guys, you know, motivating them, handling their personalities. And, you know, maybe that's just Budenholz. He's a good ex and O's guy. He runs a good offensive system, but maybe he's just not a motivator. I think he's just so good at what he does that it works in the regular season, but he doesn't have that other it factor to be able to get to the – finals unless he's an assistant which is why he was great in san antonio so i mean i think that that has a that has a lot to say that there's a lot to say about that that being said on the other side of this in order for the for the magic to take this series 
from the Bucks, Pats. Who do you think has to show up besides uh, everybody? I, I agree. With, I agree with you with Markel Fultz. You know, he's the one guy on that team. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know what you're gonna get from Vooch. Is Aaron Gordon still out? Or? No, yeah, he's out for the season. Okay, yeah, Aaron Gordon's out. So you know, on that Magic team, other than Vucevic, there's one guy that has you know star potential, and that's Markel Fultz. So if they're gonna win this series and shock the world, he's gonna have to have that coming out party where it's like, oh fuck, maybe he's not a bust yet because you know he was. Gonna I hate how people. I, I hate how people are calling him a bust. Or the kid's like 22. <laughs> he's so it's, young. It's crazy. It's terrible. It's just because he was taken in front of like Lonzo, who sucks, by the way. No one talks about that yet. Like Lonzo's not a good player at all. But like it's because he was also taken in front of Jason Tatum, who should have gone first. And I think that Danny Ainge made the point that day. If we had the first pick, he says, as you know, the Celtics GM, if we had the first pick, we would have taken Jason Tatum still. You know, so that's like just kind of how how that draft went. It was a terrible draft for for most people, except for the Celtics, obviously. So uh, obviously, you know, I'm a Celtics fan. So right. it's funny how the, those two drafts played out because when they they had the third pick two years in a row. So I think it was the year before the Tatum draft. I was literally praying. I, the one guy I did not want was Jalen Brown. <laughs> I thought he had bust written all over him. I said this guy can't shoot. He's not skilled. He's just gonna be a defensive guy in the league. And we take Jalen Brown, and I'm really pissed because I wanted Dragon Bender. And good choice, Danny Ainge. Bad choice, me. Next year, I'm like, I, I want. I was like, oh shit, we got the first pick. Let's go Fultz. And then we trade out of it. I, I'm assuming we're gonna get Josh Jackson from Kansas Jeez. coming out. He's on the Suns now. Yeah. And you know they pick Tatum, and I get really pissed off again. And the two guys that I want to end up busting and. You know, maybe that's why Danny Ainge is the GM and not me. Yeah, Danny Ainge is good at what he does. Ever since the trade in 08 to get the big three, he's been doing making all the right moves, it looks like. Next series. Let's move on to next series. So we got Miami, who's taking on the Pacers. And Miami's up 2-0. They just won today. And so, obviously, the Pacers are in a little bit of a hole. They're gonna, they have a little bit of work to do to get back into this series. But for, for me, and I'll, I'll make this one quick because I really don't see the Pacers taking this series, but if the Pacers are going to get back and eventually win, Oladipo obviously has to show up, and, I mean, he, he's been doing okay, but he hasn't. he's still hurt clearly, you could tell. But I think the person who it's necessary for them to really make their presence known is going to be Malcolm Brogdon, who has created like a really good name for himself on this Pacers team. But I think I think that he really is going to have to step it up to the next level. I watched him today; he was playing all right, but he needs to be a defensive presence as well, you know. And instead of instead of getting a sixteen and five on offense, which is a great stat line, he also needs to be the guy on defense who is able to lock down their best player. He's a, he's an oversized point guard, and so he needs to be able to play as such. and And I, I think that's where the issue is with the Pacers. I don't believe this is their year. Unfortunately, the injury bug hit them pretty hard this year, so we're gonna we're seeing that the effects no of that. No Sabonis, and I think with Sabonis, it would have been a completely different series. They don't Absolutely. seem like they're on the same they're they're not on the same platform right now. So I think Miami takes this honestly in four. I don't think they're gonna give up a game, but wow. I think if the if the Pacers are going to take one, it's gonna have to be with Oladipo drop dropping a thirty spot, and then of course. Malcolm Brogdon playing the way that he's able to play. I think Miles Turner is a good one too, but I think you might be, be talking about him. Uh, on the other side, Miami, we saw him today showing out the way that 
you know, if you, for both of us who, you know, live in South Florida, know he is more than capable of doing on a daily basis. That's Duncan Robinson. He has been one of the most improved players this season. I think if it wasn't for the likes of, I don't know, who's getting the MIP this year? I don't even know. Who is it? Oh, Brandon Ingram. Yeah. If it wasn't for him or guys like him, then I think that I think that we would be look having a, a hard look at Duncan Robinson as the most improved player. He's he's shoot one of the best shooters now, clearly one of the best shooters in the entire NBA. So we're seeing him and I think that he is absolutely imperative for this team to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, which I honestly think they have a very good shot at. Especially if they run into a Bucks team who had just had to go six games with with Orlando, I think the, the Heat have a very good chance of getting past them. So we'll see how Duncan does um, in this series. I don't know if you if you think any differently about the the Heat versus the Pacers series, but for either team here, Ben, who do you think is going to have to step up in order for them to? perform or for them to get past the other one well you know this series really did shock me because i, I knew miami was gonna win but i was actually thinking it's gonna be a really competitive series because the Pacers were playing really really well in the bubble you know they beat the lakers which i mean obviously the lakers haven't been that good in the bubble but you know they beat philadelphia and with ben simmons but i feel like a lot of it was because tj warren was just playing at a unbelievable level and I think for the Pacers to even just get two games he's, he's gonna have to get back to those levels and I think you know once Jimmy got on him you know you know Jimmy's really really motivated to play TJ Warren is what happened earlier in the year when you piss off Jimmy but that's probably the one guy in the league that I don't think anybody wants to fucking piss off that guy is a fucking dog like he's a beast he is right he's just ready to scrap whenever like he just takes things so personally I mean, if you watch The Last Dance, it was kind of like how Michael Jordan, everything that happens is personal to him. And Jimmy Butler's that kind of guy. And once he saw TJ Warren lighting up the scoreboards, he circled that game on his calendar and said, oh boy, I'm about to put a stop to that right now. And you know, he's doing it. But, you know, Brogdon's a good one for Indiana. I feel like if Brogdon never left Milwaukee, they'd be in a much better position than they are now but you know miles turner is probably that guy i think indiana they lost a bonus so obviously that's a big part of the front court because you know sabonis he's a really skilled big man but you know miles turner can also step out and shoot it too though so i feel like he's gonna have to play extra good to make up for that loss of sabonis you know another guy i think the guys on the bench like tj mcconnell doug mcdermott because i feel like you know, the starting lineups they're kind of not, I wouldn't say evenly matched, but I feel like where Miami has the advantage is the bench. Because, you know, Miami, they got Iggy coming off the bench. They got Goran Dragic coming off the bench. Yeah, that by himself, those are two former All-Stars coming off the bench. And they still got a lot left in the tank, as you can see. You know, Kelly Olenek can shoot the three. Derek Jones Jr., I don't think he's starting right now. Indiana, I feel like those bench guys that I just mentioned, McConnell, Doug McDermott, they're going to have to really step up and kind of match what the Heat bench is doing because that's where I think the Heat have the advantage. And on Miami's side, you know, I really, really, really like this Heat team because, you know, it's clear Jimmy is the star. He's the leader of that team. But they play with such cohesiveness that, 
you know, you can't tell who's going to be the leading scorer. You know, there's certain teams where, you know, for example, Boston, you know Tatum's more likely than not to be the leading scorer. But on the Heat, you know, there's nights will be Duncan. There's nights will be Drogic. There's nights will be Butler. And that's be Bam Bio. They're just really, really deep. You know, I feel like their X factor is Tyler Hero. You know, he's been playing really, really, really good ball this bubble. And I feel like, you know, he, he didn't even start because Nunn and Duncan are starting. But And you know Dragic's going to get you off the bench. But I feel like if Hero plays well, you got four guards that can put up at least 15 a night. That puts a lot of pressure on defenses, especially with his range. And I think... Him playing at a high level really puts this team at a true championship contender. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as a rookie, this kid's coming in and he's he's playing some really good ball. So I'm happy for Tyler. Happy that he's able to do this. Uh, the, going back to Miles Turner, just real quick before we move on here. I think that him shooting threes is a problem, honestly. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's because the way the the frequency with which he shoots threes, it he's all he does he is a seven-footer, pretty much. He's 6'11 and a half or whatever, but he's pretty much seven feet tall. And all he does is stand behind the line. I mean, he's just he just spots up all game. you know. And I think that the fact that he can't use his size for any kind of benefit on offense is a problem. Eventually, it will be more of a problem once they, if they run into the likes of you know, the Lopez twins and, and Giannis and all of those guys who are going to be easily able to close out on him but might not have as much of a problem with him down low. I think Miles Turner's issue is going to remain his down low game, and I think that he should work on that during the offseason, try to get a couple a couple post moves, maybe something like a back-to-the-basket like turnaround or something like that, step away from the basket, be able to do something, but he doesn't have to be at the three-point line as a center. You know, I think that's eventually going to be, become a problem. I know the NBA is different, but I don't know. It just seems like it's... It's definitely not in his best interest to continue to do that. So we'll see what happens with them. Next one up is your 3-6. And this one's another one where I just really – I don't Celtics see it. And four. Celtics and four. Yeah, I don't really see it going any other way. I think Joel's kind of fed up with Philly right now. I mean, I've seen – you see his face in all of these memes. He is frustrated. He is mad, man. He doesn't want to be there anymore. Boston's up 2-0. Philly actually had a great start last night. But blew it entirely, and there's so many there's so many holes on this team, and they're all getting exposed. And I I I have to tell you, I know that Ben Simmons is out, but I don't think it would have made a difference. I, I think no, that we're seeing that I think we're seeing the same result, and it's because they play flat, they make a lot of mistakes, they don't they don't take the best shots. You know, they're they're pretty static on offense, and they have a but they have a couple of guys who for me. I love watching them, and I think that if it's not this year, then they're going to become the X factor in years future. This year's X factor for me is Al Horford because he's playing like garbage and he needs to turn it around. The only way that they can actually make some damage, do some damage, is if Al Horford stops playing like garbage every game. That's it. I mean, that's very simple. Fuck that guy. He doesn't. He is absolutely a non-factor. He has been a non-factor in the Good. past two games. Good. And I, you know, I, and I know that you're a Celtics guy, and I know that you didn't like how he left there. But it's been, it's been honestly kind of sad to watch. The but the one that I, I, I think is an X factor moving forward is going to be Matisse Thybul. I think yeah. they got a huge steal there. 
And I, I, I watched him at Washington in the He's a great defender. In, in the tournament and you know, I watched his defense and his instincts on defense and his reaction time on defense and I'm like to myself, this is where stars come from. Think about all of the stars that we see in the league today that came into the NBA as defensive guys. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, Donovan Kawhi. Mitchell, you know, Kawhi, all of these guys, they're defensive guys. They're not going to do anything else other than defense. And they have that part down. And how hard is it as an NBA player to be a high-level defender? And they already have it down. And he's got it down right now. So if he develops his offense, even if he doesn't develop his offense, he's always going to be someone who is relied upon. So I think that if they're going to turn her around right now, Matisse Thibel, I mean, he can, he can guard one to three relatively easily. So he can guard your best player. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Back when I was in high school and I was playing basketball, my coach used to always tell me that he'd rather have a guy that all he can do is play defense. And if there's one more spot left on that team, that guy's going to get a spot over a guy that can all he can do is score. Because every team needs that glue guy that you can just throw him out there and say, Go guard their best player. I don't know if you remember Tyball at Washington. Do you remember his defensive stats, man? Yeah, he was averaging like three steals a game. In like three blocks. It was... Yeah, yeah. A bunch of blocks. It, it was He was crazy. like a back-to-back Pac-12 defensive player of the year. In the NBA, nowadays, it's, with those shooting coaches and stuff, unless your name's Lonzo Ball, it's not that hard to develop a jump shot. So no, if, it's not. It's not. So if they can turn him into one of those 3 and D guys, that's a role player for the next 10, 15 years. I mean, I think that he, he's an athletic too. He's got a relatively long wingspan. These are these are big deals. I think he's young enough. They didn't like him because he was a senior. That's why he didn't get taken earlier. But I think he's young enough at this point still to be able to be a huge contributor for this Philadelphia team. And I think that they got a lot of talent there at that. I think it was like the tw- – 17th or whatever they they picked at they, it was a late pick and they got him at a late pick so i think that he's he's a big a big part of this team moving forward i think that they would be wise to do what it takes to hang on to him and on the other side the boston side the side that's probably going to win this series i was going to say gordon hayward because he is he seems like he's always right in the middle of it when they're when they're on a hot streak in any game, whenever they're going on a run, it seems like Gordon Hayward's right there. But he's obviously out for, I don't know, till the conference finals, I guess you said. So we're not going to be able to see Gordon. But I think another name that comes to my mind when I'm thinking about X-Factors, someone who is going to be needed to show up in big moments, a very similar type player than Matisse Thibel on the, on the Sixers. And we're, of course, talking about Marcus Smart. I think that if the Celtics want to continue to play the way that they're playing, I think that Marcus Smart needs to be right in the middle of it. Because you have your scorer in Jason Tatum. You have your second option in Jalen Brown. You have your, your your guys who are able to to get stops down low to an extent. I mean, Ennis Cantor's not the greatest interior defender, but he's able to do what he does. But you need Tice. a perimeter defender. Yeah, Daniel Tice. I honestly was considering talking about him too. But you need a, everybody needs an elite perimeter defender on every single championship team there has been at least one elite perimeter defender not just a good one an elite one you know so you go go back through history there's always at least one and Marcus Smart's that guy so he's going to have to be that guy because there's going to be close games that are going to go down to crunch time 
and they're going to be playing against teams that might have a little bit more talent than them, and they might have somebody who is able to take that last shot and is able to make that last shot and needs someone in their face hounding them, making them incredibly uncomfortable. And Marcus Smart is the best in the NBA at that. He pisses everybody off. It's amazing. <laughs> he has an innate ability to make everybody incredibly angry. I love it. It's 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 you know it's an old school mindset he plays with, and it's it's not it's not common in the NBA today. It's like him, Pat Bev. I don't even like Pat Bev the way he does it. Like Marcus Smart's old school, you know, and he's big enough that he can he can guard one to three, strong enough to guard three easily. So I think that he needs to be there. He needs to be in the middle of it. And it, I'm not talking about necessarily the Philly series, but when we're talking about 2-7, I think that that one's going to be more important for him. Smart, it's actually funny because, you know, when he was coming out of Oklahoma State, I think he was a wooden finalist his last year at Oklahoma State. I mean, this guy was a beast. He was, yeah, he was. Coming into that season, there was a lot of talk about him being the number one pick. So at first I was like, wow, this guy's a little disappointing, you know, because his offense didn't really translate like it was, but... He's that one guy that, you know, if, if you watch me watch a Celtics game, it's pretty fucking funny. Like, I'd never invite a girl over to my place to watch a Celtics game because she, she never hit me back up. Like, it's just, it's pretty obnoxious and ridiculous how, <laughs> how much I yell at the TV. It, it's like I'm sitting on the sidelines coaching him. But the one guy I can never get mad at is smart. No matter how stupid of a turnover he commits or how much of a bad shot he takes... He's the guy that he'll throw up a brick, and instead of pouting his head, he'll sprint back the other court and die for a loose ball and get a steal. You know, just that old school mentality you were talking about. You know, he's gonna slide into the starting lineup now that we don't have Hayward. But I feel like with him, he's he's a guy that you know what you're gonna get. I think it's pretty clear that we're gonna get past Philly. I don't want to say anything yet. 2-0, it's happened before, and we just lost 16 points a game. But if I'm gonna go looking ahead to Toronto. A guy that's going to have to step up is Romeo Langford. You know, mm. that's that's a low-key name that not many people know, but he, he was our first draft pick. And he, he was hurt to start the year, but he's, he's come along nicely, and I feel like he's going to get more minutes because I I don't like Semi Ojale whatsoever. I don't think he does anything well. And I feel like if Romeo Langford can come on and give us an explosive 15 to 20 minutes of high energy... You know, he can hit shots. I feel like that would be huge in helping replace Hayward's production. Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be a couple guys who fill in that scoring gap. I don't think you can rely on one guy to get you 16 a game. If anybody's going to, it's going to be Romeo, I think. I mean, Romeo, I, I also like Carson Edwards. I know he's small. I don't know why they don't give him playing time. That guy is a fucking bucket. His, uh, he, he was the one who threw that down, right? He's like 5'9". No, like he's like five eleven. He's really small. But did you but see? But he him? dunked on someone's face, yeah. I think, right? Like yeah. early on in the bubble. Bro, did you see him That's against Virginia crazy. in the Elite Eight last year? Like, yeah, no, no. In, in college, get out of here. In college, he was a fucking bucket and a half. He was. Bro, that was the most ridiculous like shooting performance that I've ever seen. Like he, uh, that was. And Korea. against Virginia of all of all teams, by the way. Yeah, with well, Virginia. Virginia is the best defensive three point team. Like they defend the three. Better than any team, anybody like program wise, every year Virginia's leading the league or leading uh, the nation in defensive three point percentage. And you know, it, it was it, it's like watching Damian Lillard right now. It's just like, bro, this guy hitting shit off the dribble from like 30 feet away. 
I like it more than Brad Wanamaker. I think he deserves more. Yeah, Wanamaker is eh. Carson Edwards, I think, I don't know. He, he's got a lot of work to do to get there. I think it's just because he's a tweener and not in a good way. You know, there's good tweeners, there's bad tweeners. I think yeah. it's because he's not necessarily a pure point guard. He's kind of a scoring shooting guard or scoring uh, off guard, you know, who's undersized. And defensively, so, he's a bit of a liability. You can't play him next to Kemba, really. So we'll, we'll see what happens with him. But I like him. All right, so we are almost through the East. Last one, Toronto versus Brooklyn. Brooklyn. And I think this one's probably going to be quick. Yeah, I want to get to that Blazers Toronto, man. Toronto's playing so well. I just don't see Brooklyn genuinely competing with them. They might take a game or two. And Joe Harris left the bubble. so Joe Harris left the bubble, who was my fucking X factor. So I had to change it. But he's out. So on, on the Toronto side, I think this is this is more moving forward than it is right now. Um, more than anybody, I think, is is got to be Fred Van Vliet, who has played great basketball this year. But he has phases. Dur- he's had phases during the season where he has just kind of been there, and he hasn't really contributed too much. So I think that he needs to be Lowry's change of pace guy. To have someone like that coming off of the bench as your backup point guard is so imperative and pivotal and so big so i think that him being that guy can get them very far because you never get a break from the point guard position when you're playing toronto so it has to remain that way i mean on the on the brooklyn side you could say there's a few different guys there's not really a big name there i like jared allen down low i think that his defensive Potential is starting to show through. I think his rebounding potential is definitely starting to show through. He's one of the best athletes in the NBA, especially at his size. And so we'll see. I mean, he's he's still a young guy. We'll see what where he goes from here. I don't see Brooklyn taking this series. But if they are going to take this series, there's going to be two different things that are going to happen. Number one, Jared Allen is going to start dominating down low. Number two, Karis LeVert is going to start averaging like 35 a game, which I think we both know he's capable of doing. But I don't think he's going to do it. Yeah, you know, Jared Allen almost lost me $180 because he was getting so many fucking rebounds over Nurkic. And, and Karis LeVert gave me a heart attack when he put that shot up. I thought it was going in, and I'm like... I thought it was going in, too. Yeah, I'm like, rip my fucking bank account. And, and rip the Blazers because, you know, I've been such a big fucking fan of them this bubble. You know, I, Damian Lillard's my favorite player in the league right now. We'll talk more about that when we get to that series, but, you know, I feel like my X factor for the Raptors, because this is another series, I feel like the East, you know who the top four teams are. You know who's going to be in the semifinals. So I'm kind of looking more at this as going forward. It seems like Toronto's on a crash course with the Celtics. In the East, I'm calling it a shit show right now, because I feel like, here's how it works. Milwaukee always beats Boston. But can't beat Toronto. Toronto can beat Milwaukee, can't beat Boston. Celtics always beat them. We beat them three out of four this year. We just spanked them again. And the Celtics, they play well against the Raptors, but always struggle against the Bucks. And then you have the Heat are the wild card team that if the young guys step up, they're capable of making a finals run. Because there's enough veteran experience there to mix with those young guys. But for the Raptors, I feel like for them to come out of the East, uh, OG and Roby. I think, because yeah, I feel like he's the guy that's going to have to guard Tatum a lot and Jalen Brown. Uh, the Raptors, they're very, I'm not going to say they're very challenged offensively, but they're more challenged offensively than 
a normal championship team would be. All their games, you know, if you see the scores, they're always under like 120 points, which, you know, that's what high-scoring teams score a game in the NBA now. If the Raptors throw Siakam and make him guard Tatum the whole game, he's losing a lot of energy on offense, which is where he really needs to step up for them to come out of the East. So I think Anwobi's defense on those guys like Brown and Tatum is going to be really crucial to the Raptors making past the semifinals this year. Yeah, that's a good point. I think Nick Nurse will be able to throw switches appropriately to see if and we'll see if he's able to actually do that i'm excited for that coaching matchup man nick nurse and yeah i would say so that's gonna be a chess match man i'm not personally too high on brad stevens but that's really yeah yeah i think that he could probably do better with 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 the team he's got but oh well anyway i it's a uh, i'm gonna leave it alone anyway let's go to the west We're going to start with the 1-8 in the West just so we can talk about the Lakers. Holy shit, they played bad. I mean, it wasn't... I mean, they. It, I, I would say that they didn't play that badly because they still only lost by whatever, like, what was it, eight points? But they went, like, five for 30 from three? Five for 32? They shot 16% from the three-point line in game one, which is unacceptable. Cannot happen from a team that is trying to contend for the finals. And I saw someone say it, including uh, Paul Pierce, who I don't really take words from because fuck him. But uh, I, I kind of like the point he made, where if LeBron loses with this team in the first round, you know where are we putting him? I don't think he can be in the goat debate anymore. I don't think it works for him anymore. I don't think he should be in there to start with. But. I don't think he should be either. But I think that if he loses in the first round with Anthony Davis and and you know the cast that he has right now. I don't believe that we can even really have that conversation anymore. I am really excited to hear those excuses that these LeBron dick riders oh, yeah. are going to make for him when he loses this series. The bronsexuals. Yeah, the bron. <laughs> I love that term. The bronsexuals. Wow. <laughs> How have I never thought of that? No, it's a Twitter thing. Really? It's all over Twitter. I've never seen that. Yeah. I fucking love that. Yeah, it's it's just people who just ride them like nothing else. Dude, I love LeBron. I do. I don't. I I don't have any hatred for LeBron. But no GOAT can lose a first-round series with the team as a one seed. It just can't happen. Yeah. You know, Jordan lost one. Jordan lost in the first round. The Celtics. He was the eighth seed against the Celtics. He was, and he, Okay, so as an eighth seed against the Celtics, and he still put the show on that he put on. <laughs> He's, you know? st- no one scored more playoff points than him. I mean, he, he had Larry Bird wide-eyed. So I think there's a lot that needs to be done from L.A.'s standpoint in order for them to win this series. But I think if it all starts with the supporting cast. I don't have an individual X factor for this. It's got to be the supporting cast. And I think it's, it's led by Kyle Kuzma, who needs to learn to take the, the right shots because he likes to take shots that he might not make. That guy's a fucking headache, bro. He's, he's got the capacity to be a very good player, but he doesn't do it. He, he just, it's poor shot selection, you know. That's yeah, that's the big thing. Him, I think I feel like him and Lonzo like collaborated to be to be like, "Hey, who can take worse shots and get away with it for Hey, longer? they're fucking buddy buddy. You know. Both of them take terrible shots all the time. You know, I think he needs to be able to to learn his role and understand that he is not the 20 point per game guy anymore. It, it that was when they when they they needed that. Now they don't need it, so now you're a role player. They need Danny Green to show up. If you have Danny Green on your team, you should never be going five for 32 from three, period. 
that you know he should be able to be the guy that you can rely on to get you at least three to four threes a game, every game. And if you can't rely on, on him to do that, he needs to be there to play defense. Rondo's back into the bubble, so he's able to be there now. I think he's a big com- component. But the the cast needs to figure it out. So I, I would say even more so because this cast is just like a bunch of – I call them the expendables because they just like fucking found everybody and just like threw them together. <laughs> I think it all comes down to Frank Vogel. He needs to be the better coach. And I just don't think Because he he's going up against a hell of a coach right now. He's going up against one of the best coaches in the entire league, in Terry Stotts. So he needs to be the better coach, and I, I really don't know if he's got it in him with the team that he has. So I, I'm not super high on the Lakers. I don't think that they're I don't think they're championship caliber at all. I don't even know if they're second round caliber at this point. Because on the other side of that of that equation, now we have the Portland Trailblazers. Same time. The man's average. He averaged 50 points a game for the last three games of the of the bubble. The best player in the league right now. He dropped. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's very. There's a wide gap between him and the second best player in the league. It's and I've wide. said this, and you've heard me say this before the bubble even started. When he is on fire, when he is locked in, which is happening right now, and it's been happening pretty much all season, he is the single best scorer in the NBA. It is, there is no question. I don't care who's healthy and who's hurt. It's been like that for four years. He is the best scorer in the NBA when he's locked in. He does what Steph does, but makes it look easier. And I, that's, I, I, mean, I want to ask you a question. It's facts. I want to ask you a question because I feel like when I have questions, it leads to some very, very interesting discussions. <laughs> Who would you rather build a team around right now, Steph or Damian Lillard? Right now? Yeah. Dame. Think so? Not even close, yeah. Really? Not even close? Dame's a killer. He's an absolute killer. He has taken teams down by himself. He dragged a subpar Blazers team, otherwise, to this eighth seed by himself. He has taken, he has filled in the gaps of all of the underperformers on his team. Think about that. Every time there's somebody on his team who plays poorly, he fills in their point gap. That's where 61 points comes from. That's where the 50 spot comes from. That's where 44 comes from. Someone else, you look at every single one of these games, someone else played poorly. Somebody else underperformed. Somebody else had a bad shooting night. He took over their scoring total. That's a killer. No, I, I, Right now, Damian Lillard is the killer in the NBA. That's the problem. I completely agree. Because, you know, when... A guy scores 40 points and it's considered an off night, that's when you know that guy's a fucking beast. And... The reason why I love him so much is I feel like these players, they're all such fucking buddy-buddy with each other. And, like, where's the fire? Where's the competitive? Like, back in the day, these guys fucking hated each other. Then you see LeBron, like, he'll be down five points at two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And he's smiling, laughing, hugging other guys. Like, what the fuck is that? And uh, Dame's not like that. And a lot of players in the NBA don't like Dame. And he doesn't give a shit. Like, Dame will talk shit. And then go drop 50 on you and walk off with two middle fingers and say, fuck you, go suck my dick. And he'll rap about you. And he'll rap about you. And he'll still drop bars. Like, <laughs> if there's anyone that I can say is Jordan-esque in the league right now, it's Damian Lillard. He's the, that killer instinct is just, I haven't seen anything like it since LeBron that. Kobe. Well, yeah, Kobe. I'm saying. Kobe. Yeah, I, He's, yeah I'm saying like Kobe. the last yeah. time I've seen something similar in the league was. 2018 when LeBron dragged that Cavs team to the final. I don't know. Maybe. I, I guess. I, I, ha- I always hesitate to give it to LeBron 
Because I feel like LeBron's always been super talented, but like slightly above average in terms of desire to actually get better and, and to win and stuff. I'd say Kobe I mean, over LeBron just, in my list any day. Oh, yeah, easily. I mean, it's Kobe. It's always been Kobe. Kobe's just wanted it more, you know. And you saw that contrast with him and Shaquille. That's why they didn't get along. So on, on the Blazers team, I, th- I would say their X factor would have to be someone like Carmelo. I got Gary know, someone Trent. Someone who's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, Gary Trent. On, on, so we're both saying just like their role players have to step up because it seems like Damian is doing a lot and the rest of his team is just getting away with not doing anything. They're, they're getting away with playing badly. Yeah. You know? and- so Gary Trent's been probably the most consistent out of anybody, but I think McCollum's had his bad nights. For sure, Nurkic too. I know Melo's Melo's been off a couple games. Nurkic has yeah, been off. He couldn't grab a, a fucking games. rebound against the Nets. It almost cost him. It's very soft down low. I feel like maybe it's still it's still in his head about the injury. Who knows? Maybe. I think he needs to. He needs to. Figure he, he's that a out. big so, fucking dude. Like is he's not one of those skinny seven footers. Yeah, he's like seven seven foot two sixty five. So he's got a lot of size on him too. Who do you got in this series? Blazers and six. I've I said it the start. Blazers and six. And you know I'm saying Blazers and six too. I think I don't think that this Lakers team is has what it takes to be a one seed. First of all, I don't think that they're going to to keep it, you know, keep it going. And, and they might. They're probably going to take game two, but I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I'm waiting for them more. to take two so I can slam Blazers money line. But <laughs> but basically, I wanted to bring up a stat that I saw. Because, you know, all these Laker fans are posting their LeBron jerseys saying, like, oh, we ain't worried. Brian in five. You understand something funny? So, in the bubble, the Lakers, they're last in three-point percentage. They're last in field goal percentage. And they're last in scoring. But you know what's going to kill them in this series? They are last in defensive three-point percentage. Oh, they're dead. So They don't have anybody to guard, to guard Damien. Either if they can't shoot the three and they can't defend the three, that's a recipe for disaster against this Blazers team that has four guys that are capable of hitting five threes a night. Well, they got they have Avery Bradley, so they're gonna need to a- play him. Avery more. Bradley opted out. Oh yeah, you're right. They're getting Rondo. Yeah, back. so they don't even have they don't even have him. Well, Rondo's but Rondo lost his step. He doesn't. He's not as quick anymore. He can't he's guard not gonna them, be able yeah. to guard. He can't keep up with them. No one can, can keep up with them. Maybe LeBron, but they need LeBron to you know to guard other. Like bigger guys, so like that's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a nightmare for them. And the reason Damien's just getting started. Yeah, and the reason why I think this Blazer team matches up so well because they're not just a team that in most of these teams that shoot the three really well, they're small ball teams, but they also have size. They have Hassan Whiteside coming off the bench, which he's a pretty good big man. I think they're supporting bigs. I think Nurkic and Whiteside are a lot better than McGee and Dwight Howard. Oh, easily. Easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's not even close. Yeah. The, Nurkic is an up and coming. Whiteside is finally learning that he's a role guy, which is great because he can also get you three blocks a game. You know, it's a, exactly. it's, it's very different. The only problem Their system is different. they're going to have, I think, is they don't really have a wing that can really match up one-on-one LeBron. I feel like if Trevor Ariza just came back to the bubble, this team would go to the finals. Yeah. No, Ariza. I would mean, be huge in this series. I I, would, I agree, I agree. I think his age is gonna at some point catch up to him. I don't know when that's gonna happen, but it, you know, sixteen years later, we'll see. <laughs> okay, so we both agree Blazers are probably gonna take this series. I think that the Lakers are in turmoil. We'll see what LeBron does. 
has he has some times where he just like turns it the fuck yeah. around. But I just don't know. And you know, Vogel's not but, really uh, a great coach. I feel like they just hired him because another guy, LeBron, can just push around. He's just a name. Yeah, he's a name. He's a name. He's a name. Le- Le- LeBron runs a team. We know that. We've been right. known that. Okay, so game in progress right now. Houston versus OKC. I don't know what the status is with that game right now, but I do know that Houston beat the shit out of them in in game one. Without Russell Westbrook. Uh, And and they don't have them tonight either. So they won game two. So they're up 2-0 against OKC. They won by 13. Wow. So, yeah. um, Yeah, this series is over. It, it's looking, it's looking like it's going awfully small ball here, and uh, I would say so. Let's let's so let's talk about what they need then to get the other two, because we're, let's just assume Russ is out and they have the same lineup that they have. I would say was necessary for them to to continue this is, I mean the three point shooting is coming from all over, but I think it has to come more so and equal or I guess like the same clip because he's been playing all right from Eric Gordon. He's always been kind of the X factor on this team, where it's like when the two stars are playing well and he's playing well, they seem to win. And when they're not playing well, but he still plays well, they still seem to win. So I think that Eric Gordon's necessary to show up there because Harden's going to do what he does. You, you already know. You know he's always, he's always going to get 35 or whatever he's going to get. But who else is going to fill in the rest of those points? Is it just going to be a peppering of different guys hoping that they hit their threes? You know, they seem to hit their threes. That's the thing about the the Rockets. They take a whole bunch of them, and they seem to actually knock them down. Um, and I think that D'Antoni is actually doing a good job for once. Implementing a scheme that's working for for once. Shocking. In the playoffs. So, you know, for it's first round, so we don't know. I just don't – I cannot see a small ball lineup winning a championship. I just can't see it. That's just me. I Prove me wrong, Mike. Mike, prove me wrong. I, I'd I love to be proved wrong. If they get Westbrook back, they actually match up well with the Blazers if the Blazers were to advance into the second round because they can shoot. Well, they're playing. Oh, they are the 4 or 5. Yeah, you're right. They can shoot the 3 with the Blazers, you know. The Blazers aren't going to shoot them out of the gym. I mean, but they also don't have anybody to guard Dame. Who guards Dame? Russ? Yeah, we saw, we, we saw how that turned yeah, out last year. Yeah, Russ and Dame. Russ and, and Russ and Dame hate each other too. Bro, Dame hates everyone and fucking still backs. It I know, up but every him and time. him and Russ have like a specific hatred for one another. It's beautiful. I, I love like those seeing two. It. Those two despise each other. It's it's amazing. You don't because they're both so angry. You just don't see that anymore in the NBA. Those are the two. No, guys you don't. That I feel like those they keep the, it yeah, going. They keep it going. Without them, the league would be well because they're same level too. Like Warren and Butler hate each other, but yeah. like Warren's just whatever and Butler's a star. So they're like same level guys who are just absolutely at each other's throats, and they just want it's each like other. It's like MJ dead and Isaiah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely like like those two like fucking oh man. There's there's it's all there's always been guys who who have just like had severe disdain. KG and Timmy, you know, a lot of respect, but like no one like KG. So you know, it was always like that. Hopefully, it comes back. I don't know how long we can go on this trend of everybody liking each other. I don't know how long it can go. I don't think it's always going to be like that. I think there's always going to be somebody who just likes to get under the people's skin. That's how competitors work. I, That's how, I, how I, the NBA I, competitors work. I fucking work. hope so, man. You know, I fucking hope it's so. Co- I mean, Lee's getting stopped, Damian man. is what we want to see because he's everything that we like, right? He is territorial. He stays in Portland. He's a, he's a game-bred champ 
right? He's just about it. He just wants to win. That's all LeBron he, he tried cares to about. Because you know he he always hits a big man. He always of course hits he guard. did. And he hit up Dame. He's like, "Yo, dude, can you like try to ask for a trade?" Never coming. And da- like, no. Dame said, "Fuck you, no." Yeah, like, he doesn't want it. He wants to win in Portland. He wants to win a championship in Portland. That's he's got the MJ mindset. It's perfect. You know, that's is. what we want. So on on that side, on Houston side, Eric Gordon, I would say, is necessary to show up. On the OKC side, I mean, obviously they got a lot of work to do now to get back into it. Unfortunate, too, because I really liked them during the regular season. I liked I them early in the really bubble, too. They were playing some good ball. Yeah, they were playing good basketball. Maybe I don't Utah know. By like I think 25. maybe it was just a bad matchup. I think Houston was a bad matchup for them for I first so. round. I think they could have knocked off a couple other of these teams. But for them, I would say, you know, Chris Paul's going to play well. SGA, I think, is going to be a good role role piece moving forward, especially. Hopefully, he's be they a can star. get another couple years. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to be a star. But I'm hoping they can get another couple years out of Chris too. So like, maybe he can he can get a little bit of uh, facilitation in his early season. Yeah, there's SGA a lot of camp. New York rumors with Chris, but yeah, I mean, every, there's always New York rumors with everybody. Yeah, and then they fucking don't go. And then I cry in the fucking off season <laughs> because I just I just really want my team to stop sucking for once. Dolan, he, he, he needs to be assassinated. assassinated. I, was, I literally <laughs> to it. I don't know, but you know, I find it crazy how they're just a couple games from making it to the bubble. They were, yeah. Well, the East is garbage. Yeah. This is how it's always. They've always been garbage. They got a couple wins at the end of the season, so we'll see. You know, the Knicks suck, but maybe they'll stop sucking in a little bit. Mitchell Robinson's, you know, shining piece yeah. there. RJ might actually be really, really good. You know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I, I want to see Lamella but, go there. The lottery's actually tonight, too. Yeah, it is tonight, it is yeah. Tonight. A couple hours. So, on the OKC side, though, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff to do, but I think it all has to start with a contributor, such as, like, a Danilo Gallinari. I think Gallo needs to be... He needs to have, like, a couple really big games because he's the only one there who's actually, like, been through it. He's clearly the veteran on that team, him and him and Chris Paul. So I think that if he's able to have a couple of good games, they can take one. They just need to get the next one. I think that if 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 OKC gets the next one, then they're in a better spot because then the one after that, they could get that one too. So we'll see. I mean, I don't necessarily see them winning this series now that they're down 2-0. I don't think they have quite what it takes to come back, but I feel so fucking bad for Chris Paul that every single year he just gets bounced. I really like that guy. You know? He, he's he, never gonna get a championship. He's just a good guy. Like that's. Yeah, I mean, he's a dick on the court. On the court, he's a nice but... guy off the court. Yeah, off the court, he's he's a good guy. But yeah, I, I mean, think, he he got robbed by just, not getting the play. He's with Kobe. just gonna go down as like the best point guard to never win a championship. Or the point guard that got fucked over by David Stern. Yeah, it's true. He could have he could have been in L.A. If he played with Kobe, he would have won. Would have won three. Yeah. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Who who do you think on the on the on the uh, Thunder? Who do you think on the Thunder needs to like step up? I mean, I was gonna say SGA, because even though he's their second best player, I feel like he really needs to blossom into that star potential that he possesses for them to come back and win the series. Because it's pretty clear that the Rockets have more talent, and it's showing. And another guy, I think Stephen Adams really needs to dominate the interior because that's where the Rockets' weak spot is. It's always been the interior ever since they traded Clint Capella. And I feel like Adams. I don't know why people can't expose it more. I don't know but, like, why. Like, there's no something's going on there. Like, they, they put a lot. I of, cannot see it. They force a lot of turnovers because 
they have a lot of long def- like Robert Covington. Right. He's got length. They're just all you know, and they just scrappy little fucks. Yeah, they just put a lot of pressure on you. That's what they did in Milwaukee. They forced a ton of turnovers that game. They shot like sixty something threes and made twenty of them. Horrible percentage, but you make twenty threes, that's sixty fucking points. And they get to the free throw line a lot. It's just like pure analytics driven basketball. That's literally what it is. To the max. It's so crazy. To it's me. it's crazy. Just back I, them down. I never thought the game would like get to this, but yeah, I feel like Adams needs to dominate the interior, and SGA really needs to play like that star that he can be. Which I mean, start dropping twenty five a game on the Houston side. I'm gonna say two names. I'm gonna say Robert Covington and PJ Tucker. One because I feel like they're the two. I mean, they're the ones that guards the four and fives. So, obviously, they need to be big defensively. I mean, P.J. Tucker's always been doing it his whole time in Houston. He's been the four. I feel like when the Rockets have off nights, it's because Robert Covington and Tucker aren't hitting threes. You know, Tucker has a lot of dry spells from out there. And, you know, when he's hitting, that's when you know they're on. And I feel like for them to make it far in the postseason, they're going to have to really be on from three. Especially if you don't know how long Westbrook's going to be out. Their contributors need to just stay consistent, I would say. Consistency, that's a good word for it. It's going to be a lot of Harden. When Russ comes back, a lot of Harden and then Westbrook. And then everybody else needs to fill in when they get the ball. Yeah. So, I mean, if they're able to do that, then they can win a whole bunch of games. I, I don't know. It's weird. They're weird. It's a weird team. I don't like it. Whatever. It, it is what it is. But... My favorite team to watch right now, and I think most people's favorite team to watch right now, is going to be the Denver Nuggets. That was my sleeper. So let's coming, talk about that. That was my sleeper coming into the bubble. I mean, it's a lot of people's pick for the West. A lot of people are taking the Nuggets for the West. I I understand it. They've gotten a lot of clout in in the bubble, as they should have. They've gotten a lot of people looking their way. I think that there is one name on this team that needs to perform every single game. In order for them to be able to win and get this get this series win over the Jazz, and I it, it's a crazy name, but I think it's Jeremy Grant. Really, he's someone. Who, yeah, I mean he's he's been averaging sixteen a game. You know, coming into the bubble, he was putting up twenty spots, twenty five spots. I think now we're starting to go into the range of Michael Porter Jr. is a key contributor right he is like one of their guys right like i think that i think that mike malone has gone into the range of saying like this is our guy now like we need him and i think Jokic is obviously going to get his i think jamal murray is it's it's implied that he is going to get he dropped 37 in game one they won because of right and he he's he's a very he's a talented ass player so i think someone who needs to be able to be a fourth option is going to be Jeremy Grant. And I don't just say it because he's a Syracuse guy. But I say it because he, he's he been very surprising to me. I'm happy to see them see when like boys from Syracuse actually pan out and they actually start to play well. But this is what's happening with him. So I'm saying Jeremy Grant on that side. We'll see. Well, we'll see. You know, There's a lot of guys on that team who could who could take a game over. That's why they're so much fun to watch. Yeah. I think that Bull Bull should get more playing time. But that's oh just my me. god, don't even get me started on that. I, why, why would you not play him? Like he can. Uh, yes, he's young. Maybe he's they're. I think they're just trying. I think they're just trying to wean him in because he's still sort of hurt. 
I guess, but like, so I think there's I think n- next year we'll see him more. I hope so because there's no way that you don't play a guy that's seven three, can dribble the ball, can shoot. There's any like he blocked JJ Redick's three, which JJ Redick, you know, one of the quickest releases in ever. Yeah, his and, arms are so. Yeah, long. he literally blocked it from the free throw line. Like JJ Redick actually came out and said like, that's probably the most ridiculous thing he's ever seen. Like he he's never seen a guy with. That much of a wingspan. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's going to be a, a huge talent. You know, the nice thing about him is that I mean, you don't want to break him yet. No, <laughs> he's so small, he's so skinny. You know, I think he fits but, well with Jokic so we'll too. I think so. They could play off each other really well. So Jeremy Grant there, and I think on on Utah's side, we saw it in the last game how in, important it is for him to show up. Jordan Clarkson, they need a bucket getter. You know, Donnie Mitchell is the only guy on that team who's able to actually get anything done. It seems on offense. So Jordan Clarkson comes in last night, and I, you know, looking at the over the stat line, I think he dropped twenty seven. He did, and they won. I mean, it's 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 important for him to 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 be there. And when he's not there, I mean, it's it's been pretty every single time. Like it's been it's been pretty like consistent. I, I keep saying consistent, but that's like the word. I don't. I'm not a thesaurus. So like <laughs> that he, you know, he's coming in and actually playing well. But I think it needs to ha- continue to happen because who else is going to get their points? Like, seriously, think about it. Who else is going to get their fucking points? I mean, they got Mike Conley Gilbert. out. They, yeah, Mike Conley's out. Bogdanovich is out. So, I mean, obviously... Joe Ingles? Yeah, Joe Ingles. Like, he's just a shooter. But, yeah, I completely agree with you, man. I think Clarkson, Clarkson when he's on, it kind of gives... It takes some pressure off Mitchell. I kind of feel bad for him because... The last couple of playoff runs, he's had to shoulder such a big weight. And I mean, he's a really good player, but he's not Dame. And, you know, Gobert's not really a scorer, so it's like I think like defenses can key on key in on him a lot easier. But I mean, don't get me wrong, he, he had a phenomenal game one performance. Fifty seven? Yeah. Yeah, like fifty seven. And the, I don't know if you saw the last time that they played the Nuggets in one of the seeding games, and that game went the triple overtime. And Donovan Mitchell literally—he scored seven points in the last ten seconds to tie the game. It was—it was like Reggie Miller. You know how to describe him as? He's a microwave. He gets cold a lot, but when he's hot, you want no piece of that. Uh, he he kind of no, reminds yeah. me of a D Wade. Just the way he attacks I think the he's rim. He's the closest thing to Dwayne Wade. I think so. Right now, just the way yeah. he attacks and the again, rim. Again, came in as a defensive guy. Exactly. Came in as a defense guy, and look what he turned into. Yeah. Almost like right away, you know, he's a—he's a freak athlete. He's able to get to the basket at will. He knows when to pick his spots. You know, he's not the greatest shooter, but he's able to get his shots up. He's able to get 57, and he's not the best shooter in the world, you know? Yeah. So that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Huge deal. So I think I think that Donnie Mitchell needs to be there, but I think he needs help. He's not going to be Dame. He's not He's not pulling putting up 50 a game. Donnie Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles giving you 10 to 15 a game. I think that he, that's more than fair for him. And I think that he needs to be able to do that as well. Those are our ones for the Nuggets versus the Jazz. And then the last one, the last matchup we have, is the Clippers versus Dallas. What and one? that's been a hell of a fucking series so far. Very interested in this series. I mean, you can happens. even argue that Dallas would be up 2 of Porzingis didn't get ejected from game one. I would say that's a possibility. Because Luca Luca played sort of shitty, sort of well, very on and off, Harden esque. 
I, I, in game I one because he had eleven. He had eleven turnovers. Yeah, I, I talked about this before the show. Luke is going to be the best player in the league within the next three to five years because if you look at his stats, you would never like guess this when you watch him play. But he's only a thirty-one percent three-point shooter. You know, super low. Yeah, super low. And you know, you look, he's got a nice stroke. That wet is not if. It's when he gets that up to, you know, 36, 30. He doesn't have to get to 40. 36, 37. What are coaches going to do to stop him? I think if he cuts his three-point attempts in half, and starts facilitating the guys like Seth Curry, who in my fa- – in my, he's my X yeah. factor. Seth Curry is my X him factor. Him and Hardaway. Series. Yeah, those two. I mean, Hardaway takes some shitty shots, some of the shittiest shots you'll ever see. But when he's, when he's on fire, too, he's, he's like a J.R. Smith. Like, he can't miss. That's another thing with, with Hardaway. With, with Seth, I mean, Seth is always going to be in his brother's footsteps, but at the same, by the same token, he is a better free, he's a better three-point shooter overall. I mean, not, not overall, but uh, percentage-wise. Oh, I was about to say, I was like, by, per, by, percent, by percentage, yeah, show. I got it, I got it, I got it. I, <laughs> I, I, I call myself, okay? I'm not dumb. No, percentage-wise, he is better than his brother, though. He's got a higher free, uh, three-point yeah, percentage. Yeah, it takes less volume. Yeah, of course, significantly. And less that, that, that's I mean, what I think goes back well to your point. I think that can help Luca. Instead of taking 11 threes a game, maybe take six, six or, seven. or seven. Right. You know, he's got that step back down. Yeah, and but like the step back doesn't have to be. He, if he can create separation four feet or closer, there there goes you know his his percentage goes up because what he's doing is he's creating separation on the step back, but he's stepping back from already three feet behind the three-point line and he's shooting like from the hash mark yeah and those are tough and there's shots i mean there's just no way you're going to be shooting 40 percent from there yeah and even you know, if even if it's better than it used to be it's just it's still not going to be consistent like that and you know i feel like people really underestimate percentages because if you look at the most improved player this year brandon ingram a lot of his improvement has to do strictly with percentages you know he was also was shooting percentage from three last year like 30 31 it was low it yeah. was, like, I think, 32, and now he's over 40, I want to say, right? 39. He's at 39. He's at 39. That's a seven-point yeah. increase. And he huge. was... Huge. Yeah, huge. And he was below 70% from the free throw line. Now he's at over so 80%. 67, I want to say. Yeah. Now he's at 85. So, I mean, just those jumps in percentages makes him that much more efficient. And that's why he's scoring more points. And he's doing it more efficiently. And that's why he was an all-star this year. And it's it's only going to get better for him too because he's still young. Yeah. For Ingram, for Luca, it's the same thing. It's just you know you grow up, you realize what doesn't work, you realize what does work. He's so good at what he does that he's able to do it at the highest level. But then he's also smart enough to know what to you know what to cut out and what to keep. Hopefully, maybe not. Who knows? So I would say on. Dallas's side, it's going to be Seth Curry. On the Clippers' side, the Clippers, in my opinion, Ben, and you can dispute me on this, top to bottom have the best rest roster in the NBA. Oh, they do. You know, you you saw them play early in the bubble. They, they only lost the Lakers by two without Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell, which I, I'm not really a fan of, like, moral victories, but you're missing two 18-point-a-game scores, and you come within two points... Of, other than Rondo, a fully loaded Laker team. I'm going back to the locker room saying, hey, we're missing 36 points a game. You add those 36 points, it's a 34-point victory. 
which obviously I know doesn't work like that, but you get what I'm saying. They're obviously really important to the team. And yeah, you know, this team, people forget, uh, obviously you take away Shea Gilders-Alexander, they, they took the Warriors at six games last year without Paul George or Kawhi. And basically it's mostly the same team and you add those guys to the equation and just makes them that much better. They got stars, they got coaching, they got depth, they got great role players, they got shooters. I think they're the most balanced team and top to bottom, I agree. They're the best roster and they're my pick to win the championship right now. Yeah, I have them, I have them winning it all too. I think... Um... And if they win it all, I think this gives Kawhi a legitimate argument to be a top ten player of all time, I think it takes it's going to take a little bit more. I think he needs to crack the MVP ballot at one point. Yeah, but I mean, uh, and I think he needs a couple more years of like high level production. That's true, but, but when it comes to there's no yeah, he's one carried, else. Yeah. at this point. You're saying like he's carried a couple teams to finals. Last year he got he got put on a huge pedestal as he should have because he literally carried that team to a finals championship. He did, I and mean, you he, know he did it himself. If he wins this year. He'll likely be the finals MVP. I think he'd be the only player to ever win finals MVP on three different teams. The only star. true. He'd be the only star to win on three different teams. Because there's I think been it's guys been like, like six have six have won on two. Robert Horry's won on. <laughs> yeah, I mean six six guys have won have won MVP on two teams like Kareem and you know different guys like that. But no one's on three. Ka- Kawhi, I don't think I think he's the only one who would do three. So I mean, we'll see what he's able to do. I I I just, I mean, I know it's one one right now, but I just don't. He he is that guy who you just expect him to figure out a way to win. Yeah, that's how how I felt last year when he put that shot up against the Sixers. You just expect it to go in the basket. It, that's the way he was playing. You know, I don't see that. That doesn't just go away. And you know, I feel like my co-host said this on my show the other week. I feel like this is Kawhi's mecca. No fans, just. An empty chair. Oh, he loves it. A ball, just go out there. And the robot basketball. overlords just whispering in his ears. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, just his <laughs> He's just walking out that tunnel ready to go murder somebody. And- uh, enter hyperdrive. Yeah, he's he's weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> somehow, somehow still a better actor than Paul George. <laughs> yeah, crazy. <laughs> Some like I didn't think it could be worse. But it's to- he's totally worse. It's it's pretty sad. Hey, he started what to do, baby. Yeah, no, he he started a lot of things. He started that shitty laugh. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's actually like low key. He's a funny guy, but it's funny yeah, he's in funny. A, he's in just a different doesn't way. talk. Yeah. Did you know he has a daughter? What? You know he has a daughter? <laughs> really? Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. No one knows. That's good. Like nobody knows he has a kid. Like he's, he doesn't hide it. It's just he doesn't talk. Yeah, that's, just, that's why he was perfect on the Spurs. He yeah, just doesn't talk. That, he was like, like their prototypical were, superstar. I know. I, that's why I was like, how do you guys not like each other? You are perfect for each other. Literally, him and Tim Duncan look like brothers the way that they act. <laughs> Literally, they are they're the same person. They're just like Tim Duncan shops at Gap, and I guarantee that he gives his excess coupons to Kawhi <laughs> to go to, to go to go next week. You know. I bet they carpool the games. <laughs> Save gas money. Save gas money. Like, yeah, he's no, gonna. I but agree. He's a dog, man. He's a killer. If it wasn't for if it wasn't for Dame right now, he'd be the biggest killer in the NBA right yeah. now. If not, I mean, he might be right now. I mean, that's it's it's easy to say it's Damon because of how Dame's been playing. But we all forget what Kawhi did last year. I think everybody forgets what he did. If last the year. Lakers somehow make a limp to the conference finals, Clippers in four. 
They're gonna destroy them. They're gonna wax them. Oh, they're going to. T- they're going to. They're gonna wipe their nutsacks on their face. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's a gonna sweep. Be, it's gonna be so ugly. I can't wait for that. And the games I hope are gonna be to blo- It's gonna to be blowouts it. too. Like I don't think they're gonna be close games. They're just a better team. Yeah. And better the coach. Clippers are just the better team. Better team, better coach. Who I believe that you know, besides like a Montrez Harrell, I think Doc Rivers is the X factor for this team because he has to outcoach everybody. Yeah, he has the best roster, and he has to make everybody realize it. He shouldn't be he shouldn't be giving games up to Luca and Porzingis. Yeah, that's my that's my thing. Like he gave the one game up good, okay, Luca, but Luca's not right now. A talent that can beat you by himself with one other guy. No, those he, two should not be beating this. Very entire soon team. he will. I think in three years. No, the yeah, Nuggets it's coming. And the Mavs. They need one more. The, they need a piece. They need a piece. I think Bradley Beal sure is the perfect guy. I don't think he's going to Dallas. So I think he's going to go to a bigger market. He, he might so. honestly go to the Lakers. Oh, I hope. Not. I hope he comes to the Heat. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd but, be sick. Him and Jimmy would be cool, but I yeah, it'd like be a good tandem. If the Nuggets get a shooter, like an off-ball shooter, like that. I think Devin Booker staying in Phoenix after that run, but you know I feel no, like no Book's leaving. No, he's leaving. He he's getting the fuck out. Why would you want to stay there? That's I mean, eight, they won eight games in a row. Cool, but like they're not. It's, it's still it's still Phoenix, man. I guess like they're still they're still not a good. Oh, we'll see how this like he'll he'll last one more year. We'll see how next year goes. Next year's their rubber year. If they play bad, then Book's out. Yeah, if they play bad and he's out and he goes to Dallas, oh boy. That's a good that yeah that that's a that's a threat. That they don't a need threat. a star like that though. They just need someone to to be a third option. Yeah. They don't have like a consistent third option right now. Yeah. That's the problem. You know that's why they they're not they're seven seeds because they don't have a consistent third option. But I feel like them and the Nuggets in the next couple years are gonna be the two the. the top yeah, that'll be fun. The There's gonna be really fun fun head to heads there too. Yeah, there'll be a fun matchups too because the Nuggets think they have one of the best young cores. When you talk about big threes. If they can get Jokic, Murray, and MPJ all locked up in long-term deals, watch out. Championships coming to Denver. Yeah, that's a big that's a big three yeah. for sure. They're all young too. Okay, so last topic because we talked about all the X factors that we see in the playoffs right now, and I wanted to just mention really briefly because we we talked a lot about this. The biggest X factor of all time. We had a list, but I'm just going to whittle it down to one because there's a guy who we actually mentioned already who's the biggest X-Factor of all time, Mr. Robert Ori. If anybody's listening and doesn't know, there is only one person who was not on the Boston Celtics during their championship run in the 50s and the 60s who has more than six, than six championships, and that's Robert Ori. And you might be asking, who the fuck is Robert Ori? <laughs> Isn't he at like seven? Who is that? He has seven. He has seven championships. He has more championships than Jordan. He has more than Jordan, more, more than Scottie Pippen. He won both. So what happened with Robert Ory? He just happened to be in the right place at the right time. But he's also one of the biggest X factors. They call him Big Shot Bob for a reason. Why do they call him that? Because he's hit more big shots than you can even fathom in the finals. He was always the guy who they would find to hit a three at the end of the game. Started on the Rockets, won both those championships with Akeem on the Rockets. Goes to the Lakers. He wins all three of those championships in the 90s with the Lakers. Then he goes to the Spurs, and he wins two more with the Spurs. So if, you, if you're if counting there at home, that's seven championships for Robert Ory. 
And so when I'm thinking about X factors, I wanted to think about him really quick because I, I feel like he doesn't get enough recognition. People don't really know who he is. And when they do put respect on his name, a lot of times people think that he got those championships because he was in the right place. But I think it's important to be said that somebody like that is exactly what we're talking about here today because it's somebody like that who gets you over the hump when you're when you're figuring out what is that last piece that we need to win a championship. When everybody who you're playing against is beating you, even though you have stars and you have role pieces and you have a good coach, what is that X factor? And somebody like Robert Ory is a great example of what that X factor would be. Absolutely. Another guy that comes to mind for me is Bruce Bowen. He was like, who the fuck is that? He played for the Spurs uh, in that early 2000s run. And, you know, the Spurs... Early 2000s, obviously you guys know who was the biggest threat to them. Kobe, the Lakers. And who guarded Kobe? And it was Bruce Bowen. He didn't really score. That's what Duncan was for. That's what Ginobili was for. That's what Tony Parker was for. Uh, Bruce Bowen was that glue guy that you just throw on Kobe and make it as difficult as possible for him. Kobe hated Bruce Bowen. Hated him. Hated facing him. He was also dirty as fuck. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, he was I can, one of those guys that. who were like knee in the in the dick coming around across screen. You know what I mean? <laughs> he he was so the big thing with him was when they were playing against the Lakers. Oh, was it the Lakers or was it the? It was somebody they were playing Phoenix. against. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it was that one because it was one where he put his foot right down where the guy was about to land on purpose. He put his foot. He would always do the thing where he would crowd you on a three. And he wouldn't touch you, but he'll put his feet right where your feet are what coming. A dick. So you're coming down, he'll fuck your ankle up. <laughs> and he would, he would do that. He had it down to a science where he would like stand right there and you'd always watch because it's not a foul. It's not a foul, no. He, he hasn't touched you, you know, but now they, they literally changed the rules so Just that you have to him. give the shooter space to land because it was really like he was hurting people, <laughs> you know. Like he, but it was like oh, shit, man. If it's not against the rules, that's my. Uh, I I get the mindset. It's not the nice thing to do. But if it's not against the rules, you gotta do it. Then make him think twice about shooting on you. Yeah, because <laughs> a guy like Kobe, your legs real wide. Especially a guy like Kobe, if he if he starts shooting, you're fucked. I mean, he 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 was for anybody who doesn't know who Bruce Bowen was during his prime was probably the best perimeter defender in the entire NBA and it, there wasn't there wasn't really anybody to compete with him for that title. He was designed to lock you down. Just he's think, not going to get 30 points. He's not going to even get 20 points. Just think but of you, a, neither are you. Yeah. <laughs> just think of a better, more quiet Pat Beverly and taller. He's and taller, seven. yeah. Obviously, yeah. but So it's like a it's like a smoother Pat Bev. Yeah. And that's what we saw with Bruce Bowen. Another X factor. On the same team as Robert Ory, by the way. Both of them on the yeah, fucking Spurs, Spurs at the same time. Yeah, I so feel like the Spurs just breed these kind of guys. It's Popovich. It's, it's, Pop. their, it's, their, it's how they work. They get all these guys who you see would suck anywhere else. And they're like, oh, but they're on the Spurs. So they're probably not going to be too terrible. And then they make them work. You know, Tiago Splitter, look at Patty Mills, look at all those guys. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been shit anywhere else. <laughs> and now they figure it out because Popovich is a, is a guru at this. I think Who wouldn't want to play for him? Imagine playing for Greg Popovich. That'd be so much fun. Uh, yeah, Holy I, shit. I like, mean, you learn everything. And the ball, the ball movement is just beautiful to watch. Especially in that 2014 championship. Oh, my period. God. It's, 
leads me to another X factor: Boris Diaw on that team. Boris Diaw. I think 100%. he's a guy that people don't really put respect on his name, but not even just in San Antonio. He was pretty good in Phoenix too. His passing ability as a big man was a big part of that seven seconds or less offense. Passing out of post, the high post especially, very hard to do. You don't really see many guys post, do you know, that. It's like difficult. Jokic, well, Jokic does it great. He's got a master to it. Yeah. You know who was the best at it was Arvidas Sabonis. Sabonis was the best at it, but we didn't know because he was 30 fucking six when he came here or some shit like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> literally. Soviet Russia, bull dunk you. <laughs> you. You know, come to America. Literally. You know, so, but we, uh, you know, we, we kind of missed out on watching him. Someone like a Tayshaun Prince. Andre you know, you can make Iguodala. Iggy, another, another one. You know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of names you can think and about. And there's one think guy. About Jason Terry. Yes. But there's one guy that I want to talk about before we wrap this segment up because I feel like I don't know why. I think it's because MJ didn't like him. And if you watch The Last Dance, you know who I'm talking about. Horace Grant, man. You know, he was on the Shaq and Kobe Lakers as well. I think he has like, I'd say he has at least six. No, he has. He, has he won three with Jordan. Three with Jordan and I think two, so five maybe. He's got five. He but may have five. But yeah, you know. And he almost he almost got another one because he was on that Magic team with Shaq. Yeah, and that they should have won. But Horace Grant, you know, he was basically the Dennis Rodman of that Bulls team before they got Dennis Rodman. Who, by the way, is another. Yeah, which is another, another guy like that. For sure. 100%. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. But you know, I feel like his name is just tainted, I guess, because of that whole thing he got into with Jordan. In that Jordan called him out for leaking information to that writer who wrote that book. That's why he got traded. He's like, I didn't do that. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, he did. Sounds, he did. sounds like sounds like he did, man. He did. <laughs> he, did. he did. Come on. Like, I get, like if you did it, like Jordan's gonna green light you, but like shit, man. Evidence looks pretty bad. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure that man has some respect on his name because he was one tough motherfucker. Yeah, he was. He was one of them. They needed him. They, they did. Back then, you, you deadass needed protection for your star. It's like having a goon in hockey. You know, like you have a goon in hockey because your star is going to get, get lit up once in a while. You need somebody to fuck the guy up who hit him. And Horace Grant was that for, 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 for MJ. He didn't have anybody else who could, who could do that. You know, he had Bill Cartwright maybe. But like for the first time around, there was still the bad boys. There was still the 80s type mindset. Where you're gonna you're gonna get hurt going to the paint. If you're playing the Pistons, they're gonna hit you. And if and if you don't have anyone to protect you, who's gonna tell them? Who's gonna fuck them up when they do it so they don't do it again? Then they're gonna do it again. And I think that that's what Horace Grant was there for. And I think he did a damn good job of it. Yeah, I think the best at thing, doing that was Charles Oakley. Oakley was just a scary man. <laughs> Very scary man. Anytime anyone would hit MJ, oh, no. oh boy, he was the first one there. Like, Oakley would Oakley will, Oakley will kill you in front of your family. Like he he doesn't give a shit, man. He'll rob you point blank with your grandma in the car. Man, I, I miss those days. I I wasn't old yeah. enough to watch it, but like I wish I was just I was barely old enough. You know what I mean? Like we're we've we're we're well removed from the OG basketball days when games would go 85 to 70 because everyone's just getting fucked up in the paint. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was playing today with Logan, who's also been on this show, and, like, none of us are fucking shooting, and the paint was just so crowded. It kind of reminded me, like, damn. You know, everyone's getting fucking hacked going to the basket. That's how it used to be. Yeah. 
you know, in those 2004 finals. I remember those ones where you, during the season, you know, there'd be teams that help hold you under 100 a game. Spurs would hold you under 100 a game. The Pistons were like that too. You get to the finals, and instead of going games that are 110 to 95, you have games that are 76 to 68 in the finals, in the, in the NBA, you know? It's crazy to think about. But it's just it was just a tougher game, different mindset. Definitely. These guys had a way different mentality. But that being said, I think that we have covered X factors to see what's going to happen in these finals, in these playoffs. And we'll be back to check this out. Now, Ben, coming up on your show, I know you guys just dropped an episode. What is what's in the what's in the works for uh, Pass the Lines? So uh, we're actually working on. Yeah, college football episode next. I think that's going to be next week. I'm, I'm trying to reach out to different uh, actual college football players that I know from like connections back in my days playing high school that are now at big schools, you know. Not going to say any names, but some of these schools are Alabama, USC, uh, even some players from USF. I know a lot of our viewers are from Tampa. But, you know, I kind of just want to talk about, you know, the whole situation with college football this season, how the players feel, you know, because I feel like what they're trying to do moving into the spring and then doing another season in the fall, it's just really fucked up and it's just another shitty move by the NCAA. They don't, they don't care about these kids. and I, Fuck the NCAA. Yeah, you know, and I, I know Nick did a really good job on his episode Bring That Delight. Fucking yeah. I fucking hate them so much. So yeah, we got that coming up and then uh, coming up we're going to be doing a fantasy football marathon. Hey, that's a great time of the year for everyone. I've won three championships in the last two years in six leagues. And I'm, yep. It's impressive. Yeah, I'm looking forward to adding an, another ring to the collection this year. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Follow our Instagram at PassTheLines underscore sports. And just uh, stay tuned for updates and everything. Check out our stuff. And I'll put that in the episode details so you can just click the link and check it out. We've got some episodes with Nick on there. That's some good episodes. Yes. I've been there talking about the NFL top 100. If, if you don't like I the talk Patriots, about other sports sometimes. If you don't like the Patriots, yeah. look, check that episode out. I love them, but AK, AK everybody. Yeah. <laughs> NBA draft lottery tonight. Check that out, everybody. It's at 8:30. If you're if you're listening, obviously, well, it's tonight, but this is gonna be posted later. So, NBA draft lottery is coming on after we finish here. So check out tomorrow and in the next coming days. I'm going to be dropping my first mock draft for fromthestadium.com. So check that oh, out. Oh hell well. yeah! I'm hyped gonna, for that. Gonna I'm gonna see, check it out. Gonna see who uh, who I think is going to go first in this draft. Uh, it, it, this is the first year in a while that's really dependent on who's getting that first pick. So that's why I was waiting for this lottery to do it. So we'll see what happens there. Lakers are playing tonight. We'll see what happens. Bucks in game are up two. 19. Um, Bucks are up 19. Yeah. They figure they seems like they figure it the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, 51-33. Got their heads three out of left their in the second collect- quarter. So they're they're playing defense. They got their heads out of their collective asses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Figured out how to play basketball. So that being said, I think that I've droned on enough and uh, You've heard my voice enough. Yeah, I think we're we're all done and my dog is now barking. So if you're not ugly, stay beautiful. Thanks for having I will me. See you. Of course, man. Thanks for being here. I'll see y'all next week. <laughs>